morning, everyone. Welcome to Office Hours. We are excited to be here in a pre-holiday edition. We have the amazing Blaine Bartlett with me and my partner, BlaineBartlett.com, my mentor and my friend. Happy holidays, Blaine. Hey, thanks, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing amazing. Cannot ask for better. And including our first guest here, right on time, Tomer Rabinovich is here, CEO of Top Dog and the author of an industry of business that I'm so interested in. As you know, my wife has been uh, an Amazon seller for since the inception of Amazon, riding the Amazon wave, the pro seller's guide to private label success. And so many millionaires have been made uh, with the private label aspect of Amazon. I had to have Tomer in here because as I know from private sellers, if it was easy, everybody would do it. So I'm glad that somebody's out there writing the book to help making it easier to deal with the Amazon, the Goliath of Amazon. Uh, welcome, Tomer, and happy holidays. Hi, David. Hi, Blaine. Very happy to be here. When I think of Amazon selling success, I think of situational knowledge. Uh, it, it's nothing more than being able to leverage situational knowledge, someone that's paid the dummy tax uh, and somebody just can jump onto Amazon without any situational knowledge and think that they're gonna be successful, especially in the private labeling um, part of the business. Uh, so I wanna start right with the situational knowledge in your book. What are some of those dummy taxes that you've paid along the way in order to help facilitate people to learn how to make millions on Amazon? Yeah, that's a good question. So I would say the first thing, that one of the mistakes that I made in the first product that I launched, I invested heavily in the product design and product development and really making sure I have a better product than what's out there already. And in the next few products I launched, I really, um, I didn't take as much, you know, I didn't do as much. So. What I mean by that is I didn't um, I didn't put as much effort into those uh, next few products. So what happened is those products didn't work out at the end of the day. And I think um, what you need to understand is when you launch a product, you really need to give it everything you got. And you want to make sure it's a really good product before it goes out to market. And a lot of sellers think they can take something off the shelf, just put the label on it, sell it on Amazon, and it's going to work out and going to make millions. But the truth is you really need to have a better product, a superior product to everything else that's already out there. And you can't just bring something and uh, hope for the best. So that brings actually an interesting question. How do you select the product? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm going to go right back to the basic here. Yeah, that, that, that's a great question. So the way you select the product on Amazon, Amazon is a search engine, right? It's like Google. People now search for products before, on Amazon before they go to Google. So if someone is not searching for it, Amazon is not the best platform to launch that specific product. Let's say you have a new innovation that doesn't exist right anywhere in the world. Amazon is not the place to launch that product. So Amazon is all about supply and demand. You want to find a product that has a lot of demand, but not enough supply or no supply at all. Right. Um, so if someone is searching for Let's say, let's say a yoga ball for pregnant women, for example, which is a keyword on Amazon, um, then 
you will see in the results, you will see some pregnant women sitting on a yoga ball, right? Because yoga ball is such a saturated niche by now that you have all of these sub niches popping out all the time. So you have yoga balls for kids and you have yoga balls for pregnant women and you have a whole bunch of, of different things and different sub niches that you can tap into instead of trying to launch, let's say, another yoga ball for 10 bucks. And it's not probably not a good idea because that is overly saturated and has a lot more supply than actual demand. And Tomer, (laughs) yeah, it is. Uh, But one of the things that's so interesting is you have so many workshops, uh, but they really are driven to build community and you leverage not only your situation or knowledge, but the power of community. Um, And I think that brings a great value to your knowledge base, but also to the value that you provide from the workshops and other things that you do, uh, which you call the ultimate private label Amazon community. How important is community in working with Amazon? Yeah, so I think we are all entrepreneurs here. And I think being an entrepreneur is a very lonely road if you choose it to be. You know, uh, people living around you usually don't understand exactly what it is that you're doing. And you need to surround yourself with like-minded people. So I initially started with small masterminds and things like that for selfish reasons, obviously, to help my own business. Uh, but I realized this is how you get fulfilled. You get fulfilled by helping other people. Um, I always say that if you want to be happy, you need to help yourself. But if you want to be fulfilled, you need to help other people. So that's what I realized along my own journey uh, as an entrepreneur. And I really think that having the right people around you, people that were already successful, maybe are one, two years ahead of you is a huge advantage over your competition. And I really think that it's also a lot more fun to do this journey together instead of doing it alone. You know, the, the idea of mentorship uh, is, is an interesting one to, to explore here. David and I both you know, live in this space in some very significant ways, I think. Um, for you, I mean, you're kind of pioneer in this area. Um, so when you're looking to find somebody you know, that has gone ahead of you, what has been, number one, the biggest challenge you know, in that outside of just recognizing that there's not a whole lot of the you know, that are in front of you? Uh, but secondly, you know, what's the criteria that you're using uh, to say this one for now? Mm. Great question. So I, I think it's uh, I think it changed over time for mm-hmm. me. You know, I think it started with who is making the most money in the industry. You know, I want to follow that guy. But then I thought, well, I'm a family man. Then I want to follow like other family people, you know, that made it through and maybe traveled with their family, which is what I wanted. I'm currently in Thailand with my wife and kids. So I wanted the entire package, right? I wanted the lifestyle and I wanted the business side and personal side. And I think that's a lot of the times what you're looking when you're looking for a mentor or a coach or someone that you can relate to, right? Someone that uh, hopefully can see themselves a few years ago. so uh, I think for me, that's, that, that changed over time. I think, again, when you first start out, you just want to, like, get the guy that made a lot of money and, and follow them out, and, and, and you think the same thing will happen to you. But I think on the other side, from the mentor side, I think you really want someone that wants to help you, you know, and also is a bit unselfish and um, in their, in their uh, hopes to help you as well. Great. And look, 
looking towards the future with Amazon, a lot of people feel like it's too late. Uh, I'm somebody that uh, it'll be seven years this Super Bowl when uh, Gary Vaynerchuk suggested I switch my radio show into a podcast that told him there was too many podcasts and I was too late to the game uh, because there was 200,000 podcasts at that time. Uh, Now over 3 million podcasts later, uh, I still encourage people to get started. Is it too late to get started on Amazon? Yeah, so when I started in 2015, people told me it was too late, you know? And I'm sure same thing yeah. happened to Gary Vee when he started his podcast. So I think people <laughs> who always say that, but what I tell people that think about starting on Amazon, I tell them, look, it's not a side hustle. It's a real business, you know, and you teach it as such. It cannot be on the side. It's not like buying a house and renovating it and selling it and flipping. Or it's a real business. So that's the first thing I tell them. I, like, I tell them if you like your I keep it probably starting a business on Amazon is not the best idea, you know? So what I saw opportunity in the marketplace. Uh, what I mean by that is if you look at, let's say the Ford car, so that was only black to begin with. Now you have sports cars and you have uh, pickup trucks and you have buses and you have all of the different kinds of, cars right for any type of ideal customer so same thing with amazon and because everything is becoming so niche down it's very easy to target people with ads and on social media and everything is so easy that's why there were always going to be more and more sub niches you can go into i've seen so many crazy brands launched on amazon for a very small niche making millions of dollars a year uh just by going like directly to the customer and i think you see probably that in a lot of different industries these days Amazing. Thank you so much, Tomar. We appreciate you. We have so many other places to put you. Uh, There's so much interest uh, in Amazon and there's so much difficulty in Amazon. Uh, The fastest and easiest way to get to where you want to be is find someone that's already there and ask them for directions. And you give not only your own directions, but a community full of successful people giving directions to get people to where they want to be or better. Uh, start book. It's uh, ride the Amazon wave. It's never too late. The Pro Seller's Guide to Private Label Success. There's millions to be made and freedom along with it. Uh, as me and my family have been involved in Amazon selling for years and years since its upset inception has changed our lives. Uh, as Blaine Bartlett has changed my life. Tomer promised us you'll come back. Check out jointopdog.com. Check out ride the Amazon wave. We appreciate you. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. And David, I'm a big fan. So thank you again for having me. Thank you, thank you guys. Great job. Keep Thanks, helping Laura. people. Happy holidays. All right. With a minute to spare, Reluka was worried that we wouldn't run till uh, 6.14. So uh, <laughs> why is it that people um, always say it's too late? Right? It, it, it's just... What, what within the context of human nature or perspective is it that people tend to lean toward can't do it because it's too late? Yep. Yeah, I broke up there just a little bit, David. Say that one more time. Oh, I, I was wondering why, why do people do that? What, what, you know, when people are looking to start something, 
most people will tell you don't do that because it's too late. No. <laughs> I saw something the other day that yeah, maybe an answer to that question. Um, when, when you watch a great athlete, uh, people go, well, you know, that's not something I could do. Or, or if you've got somebody that says, I want to do that. Somebody says, I want to do that. Other people that don't have that same interest, other people that don't have that same desire, and it comes down to desire. Uh, say, well, you know, that's probably not something you should do. And then they will give you the justification, reasons, rationale for why they think you shouldn't do it. Those reasons, rationale, everything else doesn't, you know, they don't come into your consciousness when you're thinking of what it is that you'd like to do. Um, so the, the I, I literally will come back to my old saw here. You know, there's nothing out there but me and there's nothing out there but consciousness. Consciousness is the first cause. So... I don't want to pay attention to the external world to, you know, to an inordinate degree to determine where I want to go in my life because the current reality is just a snapshot in time and it's an aggregation of a whole lot of combined consciousnesses. When I want to go someplace, it's my consciousness is going to get me there and it's my heart that's going to get me there. It's my heart that's going to allow me to overcome the obstacles. Yeah, it may be a crowded podcast marketplace, but if I want to do a great podcast, who knows? This thing can shine. Yeah. yeah. And all of a sudden, yeah, you end up in the, you know, what? I think yours, the you know, playbook is one of the top five in the uh, in the world, right? So, I mean, you I, just kind of pop out there. Days. There you are. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we've done 1,700 episodes. Uh, you stay consistent. <laughs> but, but it's interesting, too. I want to suggest people under the context of what Blaine's talking about, this consciousness is, you want to ask the consciousness that's already doing it. Uh, one of the things that I've seen is that if you uh, address a consciousness that isn't doing something, they tend to let you know why they're not doing it, and they share that idea with you, where when you find people, Tomer, and you ask him, who's in the consciousness of successful Amazon selling, hey, should I get started? Uh, usually, unless it's a bad idea, they say, yeah, you should get started. Uh, yeah. And let me help you get there. Uh, anyway, talking about a consciousness, I got one of uh, our favorite friends in the holiday season here, right from Manhattan. <laughs> uh, everybody knows uh, Craig Siegel, the ego, the reinvention, the sitting right behind it. If you haven't bought the book, you should read it. Um, now, Craig, welcome and happy holidays. Uh, welcome to the family as well. Uh, we always like to get my two favorite people together here. Happy holidays, boys. No place I'd rather be. Thank you for having me. Let's have some fun. Hey. All right. Let's, we like your attitude. Well, you know, this idea of reinventing, uh, and I'm going to really love uh, when Blaine delves into reinventing. Um, I love an expansive perspective on things. And this idea of evolution, not revolution. Uh, in what context, as far as the spectrum of change, when you discuss reinvention formula, uh, is it a reinvention from zero to one or is it a reinvention from one to a hundred? What a beautiful question. I think there's a big misconception. I think when people hear reinvention, it could be a little scary because like, wait a minute, I'm too old or it's too late or now I have to start over. So two things that come to mind. Number one, you're never really starting over because you're taking all the lessons 
the skill sets, the experiences with you, and you're applying them to a new endeavor, which gives you an advantage. But also when I think of reinvention, you know, Dave, you talk a lot about how it's basically a, a buffet of abundance out there and we have a plate. And what we need to do is find out what's interfering with filling up our plate and calling everything in. So when I think of reinvention, I think of finally arriving at ourselves, our true authentic self. You know, I, I lived inauthentically for so long. I was trying to be something I wasn't. I was following in the footsteps of other people's expectations. And quite frankly, I don't even know whose expectations. I created this persona of who I, I thought I was supposed to be. But when I reinvented myself, I finally let all that BS go. And I just arrived at me, my true, weird, strange, authentic self. And I knew that wasn't going to resonate with everybody. But at least if I failed, I'd failed being myself. And ironically, the universe liked that bold move. And for the first time in my life, I got into alignment. And that's when the real expansion happened. So I, I want to challenge people to think about reinvention as finally arriving at yourself. You know, the idea of authenticity comes into play there, Craig. And I love uh, just witnessing your journey on this. Uh, but the idea of authenticity, it's what I'm left with when I stop trying to manage your expectations of me. As soon yeah. as I you know, give that game up, now I get to do something. And, you know, we're coming into the new year, uh, so everybody's going to be making their resolutions because they want to reinvent themselves in 2024 in some way, shape, or form. And <clears throat> I started playing with that. Yeah, you know, yeah. actually, yesterday I was writing a little play about it. And the idea of a resolution, when you, when you take the Oxford Dictionary and you define the term, um, it's basically a promise. A resolution is a promise. Uh, and what's interesting is it's a promise to myself. It's an agreement I make with myself to you know do x yeah that's at the end of some point in time now what's interesting around that resolution is about 90 percent of them uh are abandoned in the first two months of the year uh when we look at res new year's resolution so there's a, there's a different difference between a resolution and a goal and a goal if we're really paying attention, goals don't exist out there somewhere. Goals live in here, and then they're produced as a consequence of this coming to life and manifesting itself in some space or time. Goals live in here. A promise to myself is about doing, it's about a doingness. And it, there's, a, there's a very subtle distinction that is powerful when you can start paying attention to what that distinction is. You did not make a promise to yourself to be different. You had a goal, you know, and this is just kind of my take on it, but the goal, there's, there's something inside me that wants to birth. There's something inside me that wants to say, Hey, I'm here and I'm coming out. That's the distinction between just setting a new year's resolution as a performance sort of a thing, because, you know, society says I'm supposed to lose 10 pounds. Yeah. So I resolved to lose 10 pounds this year. Um, screw it. no, you know, what wants to come out? What's the goal? What's that objective? What's that? What's this new? What's this new year want to birth? Yes. That's what I want to pay attention to. And then the for the sake of what comes into play around that. So this, this notion of reinvention is really for me absolutely tied into the fact that nature always looks for expansion and expression. And it's not looking to expand and express out there. It's looking to expand and express in here. I want to tap into what that is. Yes, beautifully said. And, and it's interesting. You make up a great point there that 
most people fail or don't hit their New Year's resolutions within the first two weeks of January. Why do you mm-hmm. think that is, Dave? Well, I think understanding the conscious continuum, you know, is an uh, inhibitor to us being consistent. And so uh, I've been playing with uh, the concept of not only human nature, human capability doesn't understand or know outcomes or results, but it also doesn't understand or know consequences. Uh, and human nature is a consequence driven being. And so the farther removed we are from consequences, the greater the distance from our behavior to consequences, the more likelihood we're going to quit. And that's because good behavior creates good progress, not good consequences. Bad behavior creates bad progress, not bad consequences immediately, I'm saying. And so in order to facilitate shortening the distance between behavior and consequence, we have to have two things wisdom and faith. Wisdom can be uh, through experience of ourselves or others. And that can be derived from podcasts and books and mentorship like Dane Bartlett. He's one of the most experienced people I know. So I reach out to people for their wisdom to help shorten the distance between my good behavior and the consequences. But it also requires one other thing. And it's not religious or spiritual, theoretical, or philosophical in one uh, degree. It's just simply faith. Uh, I I think when we have uh, the access to wisdom like we do today, we have to combine it with faith that good behavior creates good consequences, good results, and good outcomes. Bad behavior creates bad consequences, bad results, and bad outcomes. And so it takes a very short amount of time if we don't try to seek wisdom and have faith to quit good behavior and to continue bad behavior because of the relationship between behavior and consequences. And that's why I think within the context of conscious continuum of the conscious feeds the 40,000 of the the same thoughts. And this is really important, Craig. And, And I know I've shared a tiny bit of this with you when I mentor you. And it's really an epiphany for me. I've always known that the subconscious contains 40,000 of the same thought. But recently, I've learned through research that of the 40,000 of the same thoughts of the average human being, 80% of those thoughts, which are indicated by activity, words, beliefs, and feelings, they're negative. And one thing that I knew about the 40,000 of the same thoughts is that the 90% or more of my 40,000 subconscious thoughts have formed neural pathways already, which means they're repetitive. So think about the resistant monster that we've created via our subconscious. And then what monster feeds our unconscious? What what monster feeds the unconscious continuum of our genetic and energetic inheritance that speaks to the epigenetic layer of who we as our essence, our authenticity, who we truly are. It's that monster of the subconscious that's speaking repetitively, 80% negatively to our genetic and our energetic being, which not only creates our own legacy, but it's our children and our grandchildren that are going to inherit that from us. And so when we can stop this chain by understanding the 
distance between behavior and consequence by utilizing wisdom and faith, we can facilitate an extraordinary amount of acceleration, aggregation, and beautifully compounding exponentially the good behavior because of the good stuff does the same thing. It's repetitive and it's speaking to our epigenetic layer. So I imagine there's, there's someone listening right now that's like, okay, so if 80% of the 40,000 thoughts in my subconscious are, are telling me the wrong thing, how do I make them say something that's empowering for us? Yeah. Blaine. Yeah. Well, the, the idea that uh, tomorrow's expressions, to, you know, what I see tomorrow uh, are determined by today's impressions. Tomorrow's expressions are determined by today's impressions. And what David's talking about is that continual subliminal impressing on my consciousness, my subconsciousness. And it's that impressing that creates the neural pathways. So this kind of goes back to the whole question of reinvention again. Um, I don't think about, you know, what will tomorrow look like? What wants to be expressed today that is consistent with the dream that I see myself? All I am is an idea. All I am is an idea. Now, I'm the one that gives form to that idea. And I look at what's going on around me. And you know, my, my, my idea is being expressed continuously. The idea of Blaine Bartlett, the idea of Craig Siegel, is con- the idea of David Meltzer is continuously being expressed in real time. So where do I go? I start to just you know, start paying attention. That's the key here. Awareness you know, is, is magical. Imagine the use of imagination coupled with awareness. First of all, I want to notice what I'm noticing. Yeah, energy follows attention. So most people don't have a bloody friggin' clue where their attention is being drawn. They don't have a clue. It's squirrel. And then all of a sudden, there's a little piece of them that goes running off to follow that squirrel. That's that part of that 40,000. I mean, this stuff is deep embedded. So I want to start paying attention and then impressing you know, this is where the use of vision boards and all of these other things start to come into play here. But it's not something, those are external. It's the internal conversation. That's the internal dialogue that I have with myself at three o'clock in the morning. And like David said, you know, a lot of that is you know, negative, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, you're not good enough. You're never going to make it. Oh, God, what would people think? Uh, it's kind of like, oh, God, what will I have to give up? I won't have any money if I do that. Yeah, it's all bullshit. Yeah, it's all bullshit. Yeah, what, what, we, what we have are ideas. We play with ideas. And the imagination is the catalyst for everything. Yeah, in my mastermind uh, groups, you know, I'll talk about, and I will do this just about every session, imagination lives at the threshold of the, the spirit, the threshold of the spirit. So I use my imagination to tap into what is the spirit? What's, my, you know, what's the soul want to express? And I start impressing that. Yeah, the imagination. I use the imagination. And that's the power of this is uh, uh, this, this, this notion of being an idea. It's not reified. Who do I get to be when I stop managing my, you know, <laughs> you, what I think you want to think about me? Yeah. That starts to you know, gel, gel all kinds of other things. That was unbelievable. And you just talk, I just want to write that down. Imagination is at the threshold of what? Spirit or soul. Spirit. Unbelievable. Yeah. 
the only thing I want to add is that that's why it's so important to surround yourself with the right people, the right ideas. Uh, because if we're conditioned already to have this great monster fighting us internally, we don't want to feed that monster externally with the wrong people and the wrong ideas that are feeding into the 80% of the negativity that we're inherently carrying forward from a genetic and energetic inheritance. And so if you are in a, I would say the people ask me, well, how did you make back all your money? You know, how did you change your life? How did you reinvent yourself? And it was being completely disciplined about the energy that I surrounded myself with the people, the places, the things, the circumstances, the events, and that I shorten the amount of time, I call it a minutes and moments strategy with negativity, whether it's internal negativity uh, or external negativity. Uh, I utilize time as my dependent variable, which is why I study time to shorten the amount of time uh, that I spend in negativity, whether it be people, ideas, uh, activities, events, and situations. Yeah, this is unbelievable. Yeah. Perfect conversation at the perfect time. Yeah. Yes, sir. Divine timing and divine seagull, the eagle, the reinvention formula. If you want to get more insight uh, on how to reinvent yourself, Manhattan's finest. Have a happy holiday. I'm sure we'll speak soon. Everybody follow Craig Siegel. And oh, by the way, check us out 145 straight week, the paradigm shift uh, on IG with Craig Siegel and I. We've had extraordinary guests uh, and great conversations. These, I'm not sure if Blaine's been on the the paradigm shift yet. No. Ah. Oh, Greg, you got to get your team to reach out. Open. Nobody drops bigger bombs than Blaine Bartlett. That's the big bomb, BlaineBartlett.com. Check him out. He's changed my life and changed yours. Yeah, absolutely. We have a great guest to, to land the plane on the year this Saturday. Love you both. Thank you, guys. This was awesome. Thanks, Greg. Good to Happy see you guys. Year. Happy New Year. Yeah. Hey, buddy. So, uh, I think Craig would have paid for that session. He, he loved it. Until, uh, there's some big, big bombs and big nuggets. You, if I was looking down, Blaine, it was just because I was texting uh, myself uh, some ideas to go research and uh, to be more interested with. Uh, but real quick, at the end of the year here, you know, obviously you're a very special person to me. What's your takeaway for the day or the year? The two things. Yeah, one is just how much uh, our relationship uh, means to me. You know, the fact that, uh, I mean, and I, just, and I say this you know, with, with all due humility, I believe. Uh, I, I wouldn't miss today's show. I mean, I've, I've been wrestling with COVID for a week. I mean, literally for a week. It pisses me off. I mean, it's kind of, what's going on with this stuff? Knock it off. Um and it, yeah, it, it knocked out the Christmas celebrations with the family. So didn't get to go see the kids, didn't go to see, you know, see uh, Cynthia's parents or her, her dad. And it's kind of like, okay, I've got a six o'clock show. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be here with this one. <laughs> so what that says to me is how much this conversation and relationships live in conversation. And I think that's one of the big takeaways for this year is the way that, yeah, We've, yeah, yeah, and I say we, you and I, particularly on Thursdays, have kept this conversation going and we've brought some incredible relationships to the uh, table for people to actually uh, 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 witness and, and, and uh, take away from. 
So I, I want to just acknowledge you, know, you for the consistency uh, in making sure that this does not slip. Because, um, I mean, you're all over the planet, you know, as am I in a lot of ways, but you, you far more so than I today. Uh, but we don't miss. We just don't miss. And, I love it. Yeah, all of a sudden I get something from a Lucas that says, oh, the show's at 6 a.m. instead of 3 p.m. I say, okay, we can make that happen. <laughs> nah, I, and I, um... So that's that's the takeaway, just the relationship quality and, and the power of relationship. Yeah, relationship uh, exists in conversations, and we are consistent with our conversation. And gratitude, obviously, for me is so important, and forgiveness along with that. But I did want to give a big shout-out under that context of you showing up uh, with your cold and, you know, it is important for me. Uh, and it's, if, if one of us doesn't show the disappointment is in one of us not showing it's in not being a part of the conversation uh, mm -hmm. and missing out on the conversation. But it's so interesting that uh, Reluca, uh, you know, when I asked her, I said, look, it's easier for me on uh, vacation with my family to do this when they're sleeping but I know it's also your vacation time. Is it okay? And I, this conversation is so important. Her shows up at 4 a.m., at 5 a.m., at 6 a.m. Uh, as well. And Gigi, uh, who, you know, is here, uh, you know, from Europe, uh, and sometimes it's the middle of the night, two in the morning, uh, but I know how valuable conversation is to those two as well. As, and I know Craig... Uh, is going to go back and watch this and take notes because I'm going to do the same. But uh, my takeaway for uh, the year, I'll start with and then finish with the episode. I mean, I'll do the episode first. You gave me my takeaway, uh, which is rare because I usually try to take it from the guests. But it's um, today's impressions are tomorrow's expressions. Uh, that says a lot. And that, that needs some unraveling and revealing for me to do some research as well. Uh, imagination is the catalyst for everything is my second uh, one in there with the year is that forgiveness you know is, is there's a greater collective awareness to atrocity they always exist because human nature I, I said people man has been killing babies uh, almost since they've come to earth and you know so that shows a, a tragic flaw in human nature um, because uh, that is unforgivable, uh, I have really spent a lot of time to understand the relationship between gratitude and forgiveness. And what I've come up with is my takeaway for the year, which is forgiveness is the reflection of love. Yeah, I like that. And so I like that. Uh, that, that's the one for me. And as much as I love all of you. And grateful, I hold forgiveness in my heart for all of us being human beings. Blessings, my friend. I'm, I'm, I'm choking up. Thank you. The amazing Blaine Bartlett. If you wonder where I get good stuff, it's from Blaine Bartlett. And I appreciate him feeding me genius, which is the expression of God. And if you realize that today's impressions by Blaine Bartlett will be the expression of God tomorrow. And uh, we will hear and be here tomorrow at A-Train for over 24 years. It'll be my 25th uh, end of the year training. Uh, 
email me, david at dmelzer.com. If you'd like my book or guide or anything, david at dmelzer.com. If you want to know where we're going to be, we're going to be in Las Vegas at the beginning of the year, January 9th. We have a mastermind. You're welcome to join CS Mastermind in a VIP conversation with myself and Cook on the 9th. Uh, and Mastermind is the 9th and the 10th. We also will be in Miami, uh, in Boca, Orlando, Atlanta, and Nashville this month. And just text me. We'll be in 200 cities this year. 949-298-2905. 200 cities around the world. 949-298-2905. Get your alerts on where we're going to be. Ups, masterminds, dinners. Uh, we have our Q&As for the day. We have our office hours, two-minute TV shows. We have the podcast, the playbook. We have office hours here three days a week as well. IG Live every day. Time shift. We have a show with Mike Tannenbaum, Executive Football Talk. We have Game Set Life with Rick Macy. Uh, we are providing as much content as we can uh, to elevate and to accelerate where you want to be or better. Uh, most importantly, I want to finish with be more interested than interesting. Be kind. Be kind to your future self and do good deeds. See you tomorrow. Love you.